And praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome back to the house of the Lord tonight. Thank you for your faithful giving, for your tithing and your offering. We so appreciate you being faithful to the Lord. Thank you so much to our praise team tonight for leading us before the Lord in worship. What a great, great time we have had already in this place. I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that if we were to close this broadcast right now and we were to walk out of this building, that surely we have been in the presence of the Lord. You can feel Him here in such a mighty way. He is truly a way maker. There's nobody like Him tonight, and we honor Him and bless Him and thank Him. As you're turning in your Bibles tonight to the book of Mark chapter 3, I again want to take just a moment to say thank you for your faithfulness to our services. Thank you so very much for tuning in every time. I know it's easy sometimes in periods like this to get lax. Uh, I was talking here last night with some of our ministry, and we were talking about how easy it is right now to say, oh, I'll, I'll just catch it later on. I'll, I'll, I'll listen later on. I know we're on live right now, but uh, I'll catch it later on sometime tonight when it's convenient for me. And I want to thank you for being faithful at our regular service times. And every time we come on, you're tuned in. Welcome to Facebook. Welcome to YouTube. We are so very glad that you're here. Thank you to all of our church members for being on and to all of our guests that have joined us tonight. We are beyond honored that you would think enough of us to stop by and listen to us. I do want to give you a praise report that this morning, while the Spirit of God was working during the Word, we had a young lady reach out to us who is seeking to be baptized in Jesus' name, and we're able to pass her information on to another pastor, and uh, they're going to do everything they can to get her connected and get her in the water and her be baptized in Jesus' name. And We thank the Lord for that, and we're believing that God is going to continue to work in her life. If you do happen to be watching tonight, and you reached out to us this morning. Thank you so very much for doing that. And we're believing God for great things in your life. I will leave your name off, but I, I want you to know that we love you and we're praying for you. And we are believing that God is going to continue to rule and touch in your life. And we're so very thankful that you did reach out to us this morning. There was a powerful, powerful presence of God here in our morning service. And uh, when I finished preaching and the cameras were shut off, there was a season of prayer that happened with the team here in the church that we're praying for all of you that were watching and I pray that you joined us in that as well it was it was amazing and I'm so very thankful for the response of this amazing church family we're going to the book of Mark tonight the book of Mark chapter 3 if you have your Bibles go with me to Mark chapter 3 and verse number 1 I'm thankful for all of our volunteers working so very hard to make these services go off every week Please be praying with us that the weather will co cooperate in the days to come. We're looking forward to our next drive-in service and uh, be listening and watching for a phone call and social media announcements. Uh, we are going to have a great, great time when we come back together. Amen. Mark chapter 3, verse number 1. And he entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, they watched Jesus, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. 
And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. He said unto the man, four words, Stretch forth thine hand. And when the man responded, the word of the Lord said that he was healed and restored. And we thank God for the reading of the word tonight. If I could draw from that text, I want to talk to you for a few moments this evening from this simple thought. Stretch forth thine hand in Jesus' name. You may be seated if you were standing. Thank you again to all of our team working so very hard. I love you and appreciate you. The theme of this particular Bible story is very simply based around the idea of Christ's ability to work in the presence of inability. Every miracle which Jesus wrought was a teaching point for him. He used that because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was so unified with himself and the will of God in his life. Jesus' life was not separated into compartments that were independent to each other. As a matter of fact, upon one occasion he said, I am the truth. It's a very significant and remarkable statement that was made by no other teacher. For there were other teachers that could say, I teach the truth. There were other teachers that could say, I declare the truth. There were other teachers who could say, I believe the truth or I hold the truth. But Jesus said, I am the truth. In the life of Jesus Christ, in his teachings, in his way of thinking, in his doing, there were none of the divisions in the Messiah which you and I are so apt to make in our humanity. For you and I divide in our human psyche somehow. We divide between the secular and the sacred, but you would find no such division in the teaching of the Messiah. To him, all life was sacred. There was something about him that was so amazing in the way that he found the sacred in everything. Everything that you and I would call sac- uh, that we would call secular in this world, when Jesus touched what we call secular, it became a sacred moment. He did not divide his life. He did not divide his thinking into business, recreation, and rest. He was not a divided man in his mind. His entire life was one concentrated effort that was focused on finishing his course and completing the will of God in his life. Therefore, Whatever he touched, he touched from the same central conviction that he held in his own heart. Whatever he did, he did by the very same impulse of the same abiding principles. If he dealt with a man on the physical side of his being, he acted the same way that he would have if he would have dealt with a man on the spiritual side or the mental side of his being. Jesus Christ lived and taught in the power of the facts 
of the spiritual law working in the natural world. Notice, I did not say to you tonight the natural law working in the spiritual world, but rather that's an inversion of order. It was the spiritual world of God, His presence, His power, His authority operating in the natural realm. That's why everywhere that He went, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He told us when we pray that we should pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And watch the phrasing, Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He said, I want my life to show you as disciples that I came for the spiritual law to work in the natural world, to establish a new kingdom in the earth, to establish a new order in the earth. This is not about the natural law of man working in the spirit realm, but rather the spirit world coming to where man is and working, and that was the purpose of Christ in the earth. It is why God robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. It was the spiritual world, the spiritual law operating in the natural world. It was God with us, Emmanuel, God in the earth. It was that spiritual world that was functioning, the laws of God being established in the earth. Jesus functioned and operated through the spiritual law in the natural world. All things that Jesus touched in the natural world were absolutely positively touched by him from high altitudes of spiritual perception and spiritual power. Jesus, although he was fully God and fully man, he did not walk through earth as a man reasoning as a man would reason and saying, I'm just not sure that we have the adequate power to do that because he came from heaven to earth. He brought with him all the resources of heaven. He brought with him the power of heaven. And he tried to show us as children of God that it is possible when my spirit works in you and moves in you that you have the ability to reach into another world that's beyond this dimension and bring that spiritual law into the earth and let it function. Can I tell you tonight with the boldness of the Holy Ghost on me that we absolutely have a authority and power in this earth over every sickness, over every disease, over every power of darkness. This is absolutely not a preaching point that gets somebody excited. You know what I told somebody the other day? Let me let me calm down and tell you this. I told somebody the other day, I said, it's one thing for us to preach about it and get people doing backflips at camp meeting. It's another thing for us to live it. It's one thing to get people excited at a conference, but you're looking at a man who believes tonight. I'm not just saying this to hype you up. I can't even see if you're worshiping right now, but I can tell you this, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. I can tell you tonight that the spiritual law of God can still function and operate in this earth. I believe it can drive back sickness. I believe it can drive back disease. I believe it can drive back the powers of hell. And we release it in the name of Jesus. Notice how Jesus dealt with Peter. He said to him, 
Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. It's a principle that Jesus is trying to get us to understand. That heaven, we are not waiting on heaven to come to earth. We are not waiting on heaven to come to us. What's really happening behind the scenes is that heaven is waiting for us to agree with the spiritual law in the natural world. In other words, to come into agreement with the nature of Christ. That's why Paul said, you've got to let that mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who thought it not robbery himself to be equal with God. You've got to release the mind of God to work in your life. I don't want this to sound arrogant tonight. I don't want this to sound like in any way, shape, or form that I'm trying to brag on humanity. But I'm telling you that a person who has been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which Colossians tells us is the Spirit of Christ within us, we are different than the rest of the world. We don't fear like the rest of the world. We are not troubled like the rest of the world. When we step out of our homes into the world, there is a covering on our life that is so different to the rest of the world. My friend, you have been covered by the blood. You have been purchased by the name. You are a child of God. Jesus touched things in the natural world from a higher perception of spiritual power. As we search through the scriptures, we can read story after story, miracle after miracle. And the common thread that we see running through the stories is that there is a spiritual principle behind every physical miracle that Jesus did because it's the spiritual world functioning, the spirit, the power of God, the law of the spirit functioning in the natural world. And so as he does a miracle in the natural, in the flesh, he is teaching us a spiritual principle. Let me give you an idea of what I'm talking about. When I preach to you and we read in the scripture about Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead, it's a literal story. It really happened. Jesus really raised Lazarus from the dead. He really was dead for four days. He really did stink by the fourth day. He really was wrapped in grave clothes. Jesus really did cry. And Mary and Martha had to take him to the grave. He said, take me where you laid him. They had to roll back the stone. It really did happen. But how does that apply, that that physical miracle, how does that apply to the spiritual in my life? Well, it's pretty simple. I look at the story of Lazarus, and I see a story that I have heard in so many of your lives and in my life. It was a point where everybody else said, it's over. It was a place where everybody said, it's been too long. It was a place where everybody else said, it's too late. Jesus, you have waited too late for this one. But can I tell you right now how grateful I am tonight that just like he did Lazarus, he raised me up out of a grave of sin and despair. He raised you up. Can I tell somebody that's watching tonight that if you are wrapped up in the grave clothes of despair and depression and addiction and alcoholism and drugs, can I tell you tonight that he is the resurrection? When he walked up to that tomb of Lazarus, he did not just resurrect Lazarus. He let them know that in resurrecting this man I am the resurrection it's not just what he did it's who he is let me tell you the rest of that story Lazarus really did stink 
my life really did stink. But thank God the stink didn't stop him. Thank the Lord he didn't just stop short of me because of the mess that I had made. Thank God my grave clothes did not slow him down. Thank God the things that bound you up did not stop the power of God. Just like he raised Lazarus, he can raise you tonight. We sing a song, sang a song years ago. Every now and then I'll bring it out sometimes on a Wednesday night. It says, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Think about it. He brought Lazarus out of a grave. He brought him out of his circumstance. Called him, breathed new life into him. He brought him out and he got him out of his grave clothes, the thing that was binding him up. And so when, the, when Jesus performed a miracle in the flesh, there's a spiritual principle behind it. And that's exactly the journey that I want to take you on for just a few minutes tonight, if I could. So let's take a, let's take a walk together, you and I. Let's take a walk together to the scene of the synagogue. It said Jesus came again to the synagogue. You know what that tells me? That he went often. Jesus went to the synagogue often. It was a place that he spent much time from the time that he was 13 years old all the way up until the, the end of his life. He spent time in the synagogue. He was in the synagogue at 13, 12, 13 years old teaching. And the doctors and the, the scribes, they were blown away by his wisdom. They wanted to know how he did it. And it was pretty, pretty easy to explain uh, now that we're in this dimension looking back on that dispensation. We understand the reason why he could teach the law as a child is because he was the author of it. That's a pretty amazing thought when you think of it. So Jesus walked into the synagogue. It's not a scene that's so unusual for him. He was there often. And uh, it said that he was coming again as, as if to somehow imply that he had more than likely been there yesterday. But his enemies unconsciously complimented him when he walked in. In Mark chapter 3, verse number 1, he entered again into the synagogue. There was a man there with a withered hand. Verse 2, and they watched him. Who watched him? The scribes, the Pharisees, the, the, the priests that were standing around, they watched him. These holy men were watching him. They were unconsciously complimenting him because they had began to catch on. Why, why was it they were watching him? They had picked up on the fact that Jesus was not after the chief seat in the synagogue. Jesus was not out to be uh, known as the one who sat in the chief seat. Jesus, as a matter of fact, was quite the opposite. They knew that everywhere he went... He was attracted to brokenness. And there in the synagogue that day was a man with a withered hand. And they watched him because the same mind that Jesus had then, he still has tonight that he is attracted to broken things. They do not intimidate him. They do not push him away. He does not reject them, but rather he loves them. He embraces them. Jesus is attracted to broken things. And on this certain Saturday, he came walking in on the Sabbath into the synagogue and they were going to read the word of God. And Jesus saw the man. They watched him. They were ready to judge him. They were ready to criticize him because they knew Knew that Jesus had a trend of being attracted to broken people. He was a paralyzed man. And when Jesus came walking in, he didn't start rubbing shoulders with the big dogs. He didn't start high-fiving chief priests. He didn't start high-fiving Pharisees. He found a broken man. And he said, that right there is what needs my attention. 
Jesus did not walk into the synagogue and look for the man who had the most to offer. As a matter of fact, it's quite the contrary. He walked into the synagogue and he looked for the man who had the least to offer. Let's talk about this just a little while. The Bible just says that the man had a withered hand. What does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean that the man had a withered hand? I think it pretty much speaks for itself, but let's just deal with it at face value. He was paralyzed, if you will. He was palsied, if you will. He was devoid of power and ability. He was nerveless in that hand, in that arm. He had no feeling. It did not work. He did not have the ability to make that part of his life function. He did not have the ability to make it move. He did not have the ability to work like everybody else did. And he had become defined by the dysfunction in his life. But verse 5 said that Jesus looked at the man. I want to skip over the first part where he was grieved in his spirit at people who weren't spiritual enough to recognize what he was doing. And I want to get straight to the heart of what happened with the man. He looks at the man who is obviously withered in his arm that is nerveless that does not have the ability to stretch forth his hand. And he looks at the man and he says, stretch it forth. Stretch forth thy hand. Stretch, stretch, stretch forth thy hand. Stretch forth thy weakness. Stretch forth to me what you don't think I want. Stretch forth to me the part of you that nobody else wants. This command was not only impossible, it was unreasonable that Jesus would look at a man. It was almost like they thought he was imitating, that he was making fun of this man when he looks at him and his arm is all withered up and he says, stretch forth thine hand. And immediately, although it's not recorded, you've got to know in the mind of this man whose arm is withered that there had to be some humanistic reasoning going on in his mind. Oh, I've never been able to stretch my hand before. This is beyond my limitations. This is something that I've never been able to do myself. This is something that I cannot make happen on my own strength. But somewhere between him reasoning, I cannot do it. But Jesus said, I can. There was a crossover of a moment beyond I cannot do it that moved into a I shall do it. And when that moment happened where he realized this was not about the power that he had, can I tell you that Jesus was not commanding the miracle based on what the man could do yesterday, but he was taking everything that he had yesterday and giving him a brand new reason to start. Therein is the principle that I'm trying to get to you tonight. Jesus is not interested in what you could or could not do without him. He wants you to know you can do it with him. The man said, I cannot do it, but I will to do it. I will myself to do it. I will myself to come out of my comfort zone. I will my arm that has never moved before to, to respond to the command of the Messiah. I will my hand right now to be stretched forth and do what I could not do on my own power. I want to speak to somebody tonight in your life and tell you that you're going to have to come to grips with the fact that it doesn't matter who told you you could not. It doesn't matter who's told you that you were worthless. It doesn't matter who's told you you had no value I want to tell you that with man it may be impossible but with God all things are possible I'm telling you tonight if you'll stretch forth your hand and give him what you cannot do he will do the rest this man's willingness had to connect 
with the command of Christ. And as his willingness connect with the command of Christ, he began to feel forces pulsating through his nerves that he had perhaps lacked his entire life. He begins to feel a tingling sensation in his arm that he was not used to feeling. I've got to tell you tonight, when you come in contact with Jesus, you're going to begin to feel things you have never felt before. You're going to begin to feel victory that you have never felt before. You're going to begin to exercise boldness that you have never exercised before. Had this conversation taken place before Jesus walked in and somebody looked at him and said, stretch forth thy hand, the whole room would have laughed because he couldn't do it without him. But now, all of a sudden, Jesus... Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. Jesus speaks to him. And things he could not feel before, he now begins to feel. Some of you have lived your lives harbored in and shut in and closed off to the rest of the world and said, I don't have any feelings there anymore. I can't feel anymore. I've been hated. I've been despised. I've been rejected. I've been abused. I've had people turn their back on me. I have no feeling there. Can I tell you, if you'll let Jesus in tonight, you're going to begin to feel things that you have not felt in a long time. I know some of you have embraced the fact that you're never going to love again because you have been so abused and misused. You're never going to love again. But when Jesus touches you and he tells you to stretch forth that withered part of your spirit that you have not let men have access to for many years, you're going to begin to feel love again. You're going to begin to feel compassion again. And all of those spirits of bitterness and envy and strife, it's all going to be healed by the power of his command begins to feel it pulsating through his nerves that perhaps had been damaged at birth perhaps it had happened as a child but all he knew is that it was a feeling he was not used to there are people that when Jesus begins to touch their life they immediately respond with a reaction and say I don't want I don't I don't want to feel there I don't want to feel that. I'm not used to feeling this, and it's got to go away. But here, my friend, is where I want to bring you to tonight. If I could, just reach into your home, into your heart, into your life. This is where I want to bring you right now. When Jesus walked into that synagogue, the man was there with the withered hand. But Jesus did not ask the man to present his best to him. He did not ask, Jesus did not ask him to present me with the hand that's working. He did not ask him to present to me the part that is perfect and whole in your life. As a matter of fact, he said to him, stretch forth the part of you that you're ashamed of. Stretch Stretch forth the part of you that you don't want anybody else to see. Stretch forth the part of you that you're not proud of. Stretch forth the part. It wasn't the heal and the whole part that he wanted the man to reach out. It was the broken part that only he could heal. You've got to understand tonight that Jesus, you've got to give him access to the places in your life. But you don't want nobody else to see. It's brought you much shame in your lifetime. It's brought you to a place that you hide it easily. You become so accustomed to it that whenever you get around people, you always show them your good side while keeping that withered hand hidden. It's like you just act like it does not even exist. But here's the deal, folks. You can hide that withered hand in the presence of God. And when you go to bed tonight, it's still going to be withered. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, it's still going to be withered. And when you wake up five years from now, should the Lord withhold His coming, it's still going to be withered you don't need to be justified tonight in the fact that you know how to hide that withered hand you need to be healed in the fact that if you'll expose that to Jesus and stretch forth thy hand he will make the difference in your life I was reading this week 
in the, in the book of Mark, and I was reading a story, something that I had really, honest, honestly, I had, I had never just paid attention to it, and, and for the sake of time, you can go read it for yourself. I, I, I want to hurry. I don't want to keep you. I know you're online with me tonight. But it said that when Jesus was, was close to his crucifixion, he was getting ready to die, to be crucified, that they brought to him a glass of wine. One, one, one other uh, book says that, that they, just, they brought him gall and they put it to his mouth like vinegar. But in Mark, it says that they brought him wine mixed with myrrh. And it had gall in it. So more than likely, this was the reference that they were making. And so I began to study and research this week. Why in the world, why, why in the world would they offer him wine mixed with myrrh? I, I, don't, I don't really understand why, why, why they would do that. I began to read and understand that when they, would, when they would mix wine with myrrh, Solomon said that, that the man who is going to his death needs much wine. And th this, is, this is the power of this story, that it was actually used as a numbing agent that if they could get a man who was going to be crucified by the Romans to partake in his body a mixture of wine mixed with myrrh and gall, that it would begin to desensitize the nervous system in his body. And as soon as Jesus realized what they were trying to give him, he was accustomed to the Jewish way of life. He knew exactly what it was when he pulled that cup up to his mouth because he was thirsty. He could smell the grape, the wine, and he could smell it mixed with that fragrance of myrrh. And he knew exactly in that moment what would happen if he took the cup. It would desensitize his nervous system to where the pain and the agony would not be as great as it would if he did not take it. That's exactly why he rejected it. Jesus Christ refused to numb himself so that he could heal you in your numbness tonight. All of those places in your soul and your spirit and your mind that you have just become numb to and you have learned to seal them off so that nobody has access to it. Jesus said, that's exactly why I refuse to let my senses be numbed because I want to do a work in the life of people. I want my sacrifice to be so pure. I want them to know that I have felt every strike of the whip. I want them to know that every time the cat of nine tails hit me on the back that it was not with a desensitized body it was not with a desensitized nervous system when they beat that crown of thorns down on his head think about it now with a reed in their hand they beat that crown of thorns down on his head he was not desensitized in his nerves he felt every strike he felt every punch he felt every slap he felt every bit of it so that you don't have to continue to feel what you feel and have eventually become numb to it. He does not just want to deal with a withered hand in your life. He wants to make that withered hand whole. Yeah. Only God knows tonight who's watching. Only God knows who'll see this. Perhaps the echo of this sermon will reach around the globe. I don't know who in the world is going to hear it, but this is what I've come to challenge you for tonight. This is what I really want to challenge you in my soul tonight. I want to get this to somebody. Please understand that you don't have to get your life all together and get it all perfect before you present it to Jesus. He didn't walk into the synagogue asking for the man's best. He walked into the synagogue and asked for his worst. God wants you to present to him the things that you have thrown your hands up in the air and said, I don't know how to fix it. He wants to work in your life 
like nothing else can work. Would you tonight search your soul, search your heart, search your emotions, search your spirit, and find whatever that withered hand is in your life and reach in there with boldness in your heart and connect to the command of the stretch forth and let it become instead of an I can't do that, Lord, let it become an I will do that, Lord, and pull that weakness out of your soul and your spirit. And as you begin to stretch forth that hand, you're going to find a healing. Listen, I don't believe, I do not believe that the man's hand was healed inside of his cloak. I don't believe it was healed inside of his garment. I believe it was healed as he stretched it forth, as he was willing to make the effort to reach towards Jesus. The power of Jesus operating that spiritual law in the natural world, it connected with a man's brokenness. And as he reached towards Jesus, at this point right here, he is further than he could have reached before. And he continues to reach, and he continues to reach until finally everything that was not whole has now become healed and whole because he was willing to connect his faith to a command, stretch forth. Stretch forth, stretch forth, stretch forth. Don't give me your perfection. Give me your imperfection and let me work on it. Don't give me the perfection in your life. Give me that brokenness and let me work on it. Can I reach for you tonight in your home or wherever you're watching right now and just tell you that Jesus is reaching out to you? All you have to do right now is just reach out to him. She had that issue of blood for 12 years, folks. 12 years, 12 years, 12 years. She had exhausted everything. Every doctor she could spend her money on, she spent it. And it was impossible to be healed until she got down on her hands and her knees. And she begins to push through the, the crowd until finally she reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. And at that very moment that she reached beyond herself and reached out to touch the hem of his garment, the Bible said that the fountain of her blood was dried up. You know what that means? That he took what was was imperfect in her and when her imperfection met his perfection and that spiritual law began to function in the natural world all of a sudden the things that had identified her as impure and nobody wanted to be around her now all of those excuses were gone you know what he's doing in your life right now that conviction that you feel the tears that you're fighting back in your in your eyes right now that big knot that's in your throat that you don't want anybody to see happen in your life people have looked at you and told you what you did not deserve you don't deserve to be in church you don't deserve to have a relationship with God you don't deserve that you are unworthy you know what he'll do tonight if you'll just reach out to him and stretch forth your hand he's gonna take all of those impossibilities all of that rejection in your life and he's going to begin to make you whole as I come to a close right now our team is, is beginning to stand to their feet. I wish you could see them. They're standing to their feet right now and they're all going to stations of prayer. And we're going to begin to pray for you in the house of God that you would tonight get the boldness that somewhere deep inside you would get the courage tonight to extend your hand, to stretch forth your hand, to stretch forth that brokenness in your life and let him touch you right where you are. I'm asking you if you would as we close out our broadcast tonight that you would just stretch forth your hands towards the heavens, that you would stretch forth your heart towards God right now and that you would let him meet you right where you are, meet you in your imperfection, meet you in your fallibilities right now. Would you do that? Come on, stretch out to him and reach right now. We want to pray over you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus father we reach for you tonight come on child of God come on prodigal come on tonight reach for him stretch forth thine hand stretch forth thy weakness tonight in the name of Jesus I plead your blood Lord over every mind every heart every spirit in the name of Jesus we love you church we're reaching for you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We're believing that God's going to meet you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.